0: Well, let me say, as Scott already did, Merry Christmas. Can you believe it? The first Sunday of December it's here, it kind of looked more like Christmas last Sunday, but uh, we're glad that you are here today, and uh, we're going to begin our Christmas series, The Miracles of Christmas, and and uh, I was going to thank Charlie Brown and Linus for giving us the Christmas story in, uh, in the book of Luke and what Christmas is all about, that famous question, question that, that he asks because he's frustrated with all of the misinformation and, and all of that, the miscelebration in a sense. Uh, and so he asked, what is Christmas all about? And um, so you're familiar probably with the Christmas story as told in the book of Luke, But I'm going to read it for you out of the first 17 verses of the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, your tablets, phones, we'll have it on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible, want to follow along with a hard copy of that in your hand underneath the chair in front of you, page 675, and you can follow along with me as I read uh, the beginning of the Christmas story in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram, Jehoram, the father of Uzziah, Uzziah, the father of Jotham, Jotham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abihud, Abihud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, Akim the father of Elihud, Elihud the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. You ever heard the Christmas story like that before? (laughs) Probably not too often. Um... And you may be thinking, wow, what an exciting way to open this year's Christmas series. Reading a list of names. Uh, Really? You know, you may be thinking, well, certainly a little different than what Linus read, but uh, not quite the intriguing start to the Christmas story that you may have expected. Now, don't raise your hand this morning or nod your head. You could if you want, I suppose, but I'm not going to ask you to do that. But how many of you, when reading through the Christmas story and starting in Matthew 1 and the first 17 verses, have skipped those names in chapter 1? <laughs> Just kind of like, okay, let's see, verse 19 here and and jumped right down. or Or maybe... Uh, You didn't skip them, but you read through them very, very quickly. Or maybe you're one of those really diligent and honest individuals, and when you're doing your Bible reading, you cannot skip anything, and so you just read every verse because you're wired that way, right? Uh, But have no idea when you're done what in the world you just read or why those names are there right? Well, this past August, I was reading through the beginning chapters of Matthew. Yes, the Christmas story. That's where I was in my Bible reading plan. And my heart was stirred in a fresh new way about the awe-inspiring Christmas story. And folks, it is. Every year, it comes around and we read it again. It's like, wow. And I'm not sure how many times that I've read through the Christmas story before or these chapters in Matthew, but this time was different. I saw miracles everywhere I looked, and I knew that this year I wrote it in my journal. I took note of it, and, I, and I've been going back and adding thoughts to it. But it had to be at the heart of this year's Christmas theme, of this year's Christmas series of messages. And as you probably know, These names that I just read are known as the genealogy of Jesus, Uh, his family tree, his ancestry. Have you seen those commercials on TV for Ancestry.com, right? You can go on and find out all kinds of things about your uh, history and about your ancestry. and, And this is what this is for us. And what I want you to think about this morning is not just the genealogy, but as the first miracle of the Christmas story that we're going to look at. The first miracle of our theme this year, the miracles of Christmas, the miracle of the genealogy. And you may never have thought about the genealogy being miraculous at all. But as I read through, I'm like, this is, this is amazing. And so it's quite an outline, real simple. In fact, uh, Matthew gives us the outline in verse 17, but we'll get there. But verse 1 is simply the introduction. And what we read there, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. He's introducing what's going to happen. The ancestry of Jesus the Messiah and uh, one of the major purposes, and this, this is important that we get this, we're not going to dig deep into that this morning, but one of the major purposes of the Matthew is to demonstrate that Jesus was the promised Messiah who would bring salvation, not just to the Jews, but to all the nations, Gentiles as well. And as you look at this verse, there are three names there. Jesus the Messiah. He's the Christ. That may be spelled out for you in some of your translations. But the word Jesus the Messiah, Jesus, Savior, Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ. That's the word as it's used. And then he says, Son of David. Just simply mentioning that, that God's promise to the nation of Israel that the Messiah would come through the kingly royal line of David and reign as king and that reign would be forever and just if you want to take the time to look that up and there's a lot this would be known as the Davidic covenant in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verses 12 to 16 read some before and after but you'll get the promise that God made to David then he's called the son of Abraham This is a recognition of God's unconditional promise to Abraham. You may have heard the Abrahamic covenant. What an amazing arrangement, promise, unconditional promise of God to Abraham and ultimately to you and I. Because it would be through Abraham the promise was that all the people of the earth would be blessed through him. What's that mean? That means the salvation of all people, salvation of all nations. Yes, ultimately, Father Abraham. Do you ever sing that song? Yeah, we won't do that this morning, right? (laughs) Because if I do, I'll probably get dizzy and fall off the platform. But Uh, What we know as, yes, the father of the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation, but the father and salvation to all nations. That was the promise made in Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. You can follow that on through to Genesis chapter 15 as well. And so that's the introduction, but we get then to the first part. The first point is, is listed verses 2 to 6. And we find that Abraham to King David. Abraham to King David. And that's what, if you look back in verse 17, where Matthew lays this all out. And so here it is. Verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, Abraham the father of many nations. His wife, Sarah, was promised a son who would be Isaac. At that point, he didn't know. They were old. I mean, old. Right? And, and when that promise came, Sarah laughed. His wife. And, and as they moved through this, and folks, one of the things about this genealogy, you've got to read this on your own. There is so much truth and history and unbelievable lessons to be learned in these 17 verses. I mean, it's a mess. We can't cover it all this morning. But it's an unbelievable train wreck when you actually begin to dig in to some of the individuals that are mentioned there. All kinds of sin. Uh, Wicked kings fathering good kings. Good kings fathering wicked kings. And some of the women that were related to those kings trying to wipe them out. I, I mean, it was crazy. But as we get into Father Abraham... He twice lied about his wife. Genesis tells us she was a beautiful woman and he was afraid somebody would, would steal her. And so twice said, don't tell her you're my wife. Don't tell anybody, you know, and, and, and he got caught on that. And then remember uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, the ch- child of promise isn't coming. And so he, she decides to take matters in, his own, in her own hands and says, Abraham, go sleep with my handmaid Hagar. Oh, boy, and that's not a wise thing, trying to do what God was going to do. You ever do that? Try to figure out something, take care of things. When God said, I'll do it, and yet we, have to, we take it in our hands, that's what was happening. Jacob and Esau, oh, my word, we could talk about them and, and Jacob's deceit. But we're told in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as Righteousness. Then we get to the three women that are listed there in this section. Tamar. Tamar, probably a Canaanite, involved in an incestuous relationship with her father-in-law, Judah, as she dressed up as a prostitute. And this is in the genealogy of our Messiah, our Savior? Yeah. Check it out, Genesis 38. Read it for yourself and get all the sordid details, but you'll find that out. Rahab. Rahab helped the spies. Joshua too. But what was Rahab? She was a prostitute. She was a Canaanite. And yet she's also listed in the genealogy. We get down to Ruth. Thank God for Ruth, right? Wow. Uh, What an amazing woman. And you can read her story in the book of Ruth, all four chapters. We preached Through that, I don't know, two years or so ago And and what an amazing woman she was And how God used her Then we get to the second point The second section Verses 6 to 11 David to the exile to Babylon And we read verse 6 David was the father of Solomon You remember Solomon the wisest man on the face of the earth Whose mother had been Uriah's wife Do you know who that is? Do you remember the name? Bathsheba Uriah the Hittite married Bathsheba, and you know all about that. You, what's one of the things, if only that we know about King David besides Goliath, what a mess. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then to cover it up, he murdered him, put him in the front lines, in the front battle, in the, in a, in the, in the raging war, and making sure he would be killed. See, Jewish ancestry typically runs through only the men. And here we've got Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, all listed as part of that. That was a completely unusual thing for a Jewish ancestry. We could read on down through King Rehoboam, who divided the kingdom after Solomon was gone, took the ten northern tribes, set up altars in Dan and Bethel, I visited that altar up north in Dan. Unbelievable. They violated God's covenant with them that they should worship in Jerusalem. Set up two altars to not worship God and Rehoboam was in charge of that. At one point, all the royal line for the next king were murdered. And the only one who survived, if you remember, King Joash. If you want to read about that, check out 2 Chronicles 22 and 23. And then, of course, this section closes David to the exile to Babylon. Now it says exile to Babylon because 150 uh, so years prior to that, uh, the the northern tribes of Israel, the ten northern tribes who Rehoboam had been king, and there were others, were taken captive by Assyria. This is the two southern tribes that were taken captive by Babylon because of God's judgment for their rebellion and sinful behavior. And then the last point, verses 12 to 16, the exile to the Messiah. And Jacob, verse 16, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. Folks, there's so much history involved in that genealogy. And it ends with the birth of the Messiah. And then verse 17, we've already referred to that as those three, 14 genera- there three generations of 14 generations each. We're well, not a generation, I guess section, 14 generations in each of the three sections. And, uh, and that's how and it all led to the Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled all the promises, all the prophecies that had been given. You say, so what is the point of all of this? How is this, the Christmas story? Well, it's how Jesus the Messiah was born. We sang about him this morning. It's how he came to this earth. Where's the miracle? You say, well, let me give it to you. Number one, God has a plan. God has a plan. Number two, God's plan always works. Always, folks always works it's full of grace it's empowered by grace God's plan never fails number three sin and Satan cannot hinder change or derail God's plan amen and yet folks Sometimes we act like he can because we try to develop our own plan when we think God's isn't working. We sometimes choose to go our own direction, and yet God used all kinds of people from all kinds of nations, all kinds of occupations and careers, from all kinds of walks of life, from Godly people to wicked people. God put them all together and accomplished his plan. The genealogy is a picture of God's plan for the Messiah. A picture of the faithfulness and providence. Providence of God to provide salvation and deliverance from sin and death for all who will believe. All who will believe. Believe. I mean it's that's a Christmas gift if there ever was one you know and though at times through the years it looked like God's plan had been hindered or that it would have to be changed because of what was going on in history Uh, Or that Satan had found a way to derail God's plan when Jesus hung on the cross. That's what the disciples thought. I'm sure that's what the devil thought. That he had won, that he had defeated God in his plan. And yet God's plan can never be derailed or hindered, nor does it need to be changed, because it always works. And Jesus, the Messiah, was born in the most miraculous way. The miracle of Christmas begins with the providence of God. That's the miracle. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that before. But as you read through the genealogy, you'll see the miracle that God accomplished in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. Providence came across a quote that you have to see by Warren Wiersbe. Uh, Providence is God's control of circumstances so that his will prevails and his purposes are fulfilled. That, that's just right. I mean, I couldn't say it any better. Providence is God's control of circumstances so that his will prevails and his purposes are fulfilled. And we see the miracle of the providence of God woven throughout Matthew's genealogy and in the amazing story of Christmas. Listen, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. There's something very special, almost magical. The lights, the tree. The colors, the presents, the anticipation, the get-togethers. I mean, I'm sure you've noticed people are different for a few weeks, right, around Christmas. This year, I want you to see Christmas not as magical, but as a celebration and a reminder of the miraculous the ongoing fulfillment of God's plan, a reminder of his faithfulness. I want you to look for and see the providence of God now in the circumstances around you. Look at them in your own life. See it in the Christmas story. And then consider this, that God's plan For the ages includes you and I. Do you ever think about that? It does. God has a plan and purpose for your life, each of our lives, that's designed to work, not to fail, not to need to be changed. Not to be derailed. God's plan and purpose for your life will work. And as you move through the Christmas season this year, with all the joy and the excitement that goes with it, I want you to look for God's providence. I want you to look for the hand of God in the circumstances around you. Look for them in your life. See the providence of God all around you. Everywhere you go as you live your life this Christmas season. What might God be doing in your life? A week ago today, I'm sure that the Walker family had no idea that today Mel wouldn't be with them. But God is providentially in control of every circumstance of life. And he works things together for his, for our good and the glory of Of God in our lives. That's the miracle of the Christmas story. That God uses people. He used everyday ordinary people. Sinners like us. To accomplish his perfect plan and will. And bring the Messiah to this earth. To die for us. What an amazing, amazing miracle of God. Study through the genealogy and see how God uses that in your life as we move through this Christmas season.